0: At loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: I have a wonderful theme in this study. The theme is the judgment of God. And it might seem odd to you that I said, I have a wonderful theme. You see, when you understand God's judgment from a biblical perspective, how the prophets reveal it, you are going to understand that good things come about because of God's judgment. Through God's judgment, we are going to experience victory. What type of victory? Kingdom victory. We're going to, through God's judgment, we're going to take hold of his promises and blessings. Why is that? one of the outcomes of God's judgment is God setting things in his order and a total removal of evil from this world. This is all good news. So this has to do with God's perfect judgment, and if we understand it, we're going to be Encourage, and that's why in the book of Revelation we see that from a heavenly perspective the angels are praising God they are giving thanks to God for God's and hear this his righteous judgment that he is going to pour out well take out your Bible and look with me to the very end of Malachi the prophecy of Malachi if you're using a Bible in a different language other than Hebrew, it will be chapter 4. If you're using a Bible that follows the original order, it is chapter 3, the last verses. But for most of you, it's going to be chapter 4. And what I want to share with you is this several times I may get an invitation to speak at a conference, and sometimes they'll say, stay away from God's judgment. We want to encourage people. We want to be a blessing to people. Well, if that's the case, share all of Scripture revelation. Don't just limit some of the word of God to be shared. Don't limit that, but all of God's heavenly counsel. And God's judgment, as I said, is a good thing. We're going to see that through judgment, God's family is going to be brought into unity. So again, look with me to that prophecy of Malachi, chapter 4 in most of your Bibles, and we'll begin with verse 1. Again, if you're following in the Hebrew text, it's chapter 3 and verse 19. We read here, for behold, I've made mention that this word hine in Hebrew, behold, is a word that should capture your attention. In other words, God has something significant that he wants to share with the reader. For behold, the day. Also, very important the phrase, the day. Speaking about a specific day, a specific period of time. Behold, the day comes. And how is this day coming? Burning like a furnace. So we're going to see that God's wrath is part of this day. His wrath that judges, his wrath that consumes, and through his judgment, the enemy and everything related to the enemy's work is going to be burnt up. It's going to be consumed. It's going to be done away with. And again, that phrase burning is in the present tense which is always emphatic, always being emphasized to the reader. So burning as a furnace, and it says, And there shall be that all, hear this, all wicked ones. Now, it's the word, many of your Bibles will say proud ones, and that's fine. But it's the word zadim, which is one, and we saw this word last week. It's a word of speaking of rebelliousness, a willful rebelliousness. It is one that sins not by accident, not by some misunderstanding, not that he didn't intend to do that, but he did and he realizes it's wrong. This is someone who knew all along this was wrong. This was against God's will. This is the wrong thing to do, but nevertheless, He chose to do which is wrong. And it says, all those ones who sin willfully, all the ones who are doing wicked, now notice those two things, they're willfully doing that which is wrong. And therefore the outcome is there are all doers of iniquity, doers of wickedness. And what are they going to be? Every one of them is going to be, we find the Hebrew word kash, which is straw. And we know something. In fact, Paul speaks and uses a similar word, of course, in the Greek language in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where he speaks about God's consuming judgment. And we know if you have straw or hay and you you put it in fire, it is consumed immediately. And this is what God's saying, through that day that's coming, a day that burns like a furnace, you throw straw or hay into a furnace that is burning, it's going to be consumed. It says that it's going to burn them, and this day comes for that purpose, to burn them, to consume them. says, literally said, and this is a word of promise, said the Lord of hosts. And how is his judgment coming? Notice the end of this verse. Which... He will not leave for them or of them any root or branch. What is that speaking of? Total consuming. God is not going to leave any remnant. He is not going to leave anything whatsoever. He is going to bring about a consuming judgment where those who are evil, those who do willful, those who are rebellious before the commandments of God, they are going to Be destroyed in their entirety. Look now to the next verse, verse 2, where it says, The ones who fear my name, that is, the ones who give priority to my character, realizing that God's character is good, it is right, it is holy, it is perfect, and therefore we bow in his presence, we submit, we obey. That's who he's speaking of. Those who fear my name, what's going to happen? These individuals, it says, it will shine unto them, those who fear my name, as the sun, and that's S-U-N, the sun of righteousness. And that sun, that is, it's going to be revealed. God's righteousness upon them is going to shine brightly it's a term of revealing so those who fear my name the sun of righteousness is going to shine upon them and it's going to have healing and notice what it says healing in his wings now that word for wing refers to a corner it is the word that is found for example in Numbers chapter 15, in verses 37 through 41, where it speaks about a four-corner garment. That word for corner that's translated a wing, it's the same word, kanaf. And there in Numbers 15, at the end of that chapter, it speaks about a four-corner garment, and at the end of that four-corner garment, it has a special uh, uh, element. This, this, what's called titsit. it has threads on it. And these threads, it says in the scripture that you will look upon them and you will remember the commandments. So righteousness is related to the commandments. The commandments don't make us righteous, but it us. they teach us what righteousness is. And when we violate them, they teach us what is unrighteous. So healing comes, how? Through an agreement with the purposes of God, the righteousness of God. So we are going to be healed for the purpose of obedience, that we are going to reflect the righteousness of God. So look at this entire verse where it says, the ones who fear my name, the son of righteousness, again, S-U-N, is going to shine upon them, and there's going to be healing in its wings, meaning in the sense that they are going to obey my word. And they're going to go out, and most Bibles will say like a fattened calf, and that's fine. But the word here for fatten is a word which means multiplying, that which has increased, that which represents many. So it's going to be a calf that is multiplied. And it's going to be one that is, as it says here at the end of this verse, like calves which are in a a prize location, in a good location like a stall, a a place where animals are safe, they are well-fed, They do not have to be concerned about anything because they're in a good, safe location where there is provision. So what God is promising us is this. He is going to, and this all has kingdom implications because one of the outcomes of the judgment of God is the establishment of the kingdom. Look now to verse 3. Speaking of the wicked ones, it says... And you shall trample the wicked, for they will be, and we have a word for ash, under the foot or the soles of your feet. So this also speaks of a defeat, them being trampled down, and not just trampled, but it also implies them being humiliated, them being shamed. Why? We should know because of their wickedness, because of their rebelliousness, because they did not give God priority. And all of these things are going to bring about their defeat and their everlasting shame. He says, in the day which I, and who's speaking, God, in the day that I am doing And then we have that term, said the Lord of hosts, again, in the past tense, not says the Lord of hosts, but said the Lord of hosts, the past tense reflects a a promise as though this has already has taken place. It hasn't, it's futuristic, God's saying it at that time, but the past tense points to the fact that all of this is going to take place, every aspect of it. Now let's look at the next verse, verse 4. Here we have a very important term to remember. And remember, that word is tied to a covenant. So remember the covenant, and here we have an aspect of that covenant. Look again at verse 4. Remember the law of Moses, my servant. Now, this all has, we're talking and we'll see this in a moment. This is clearly a last day context of God bringing forth his wrath, his judgment to set things in order to provide victory for the people and the establishment of his kingdom. And there's going to be unity within the family, a, a unity, a togetherness, an agreement Both generations seeing things from the same perspective. All of this is good. And notice what God commands us. So significant that we see it's God that's speaking. And he commands us and he says, in light of the last days, he says, look at verse 4. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him, where? In Horeb now what's important obviously we're talking about Mount Sinai but the term horof is used because of a reason this is the same place not only where the law was given Mount Sinai but also where God first appeared to Moses on that mountain where the bush was burning but was not consumed and remember Moses stepped aside in order to witness this? Fire, but the bush was not consumed. That ought not be. Fire should consume a bush, but it doesn't. And what's the message? God was there. And God, in the midst of His judgment, he can preserve whom He wants, just like He preserved that, that bush that was ablaze but did not was not consumed. How? by god and in the same way that we we are not going to be consumed by the wrath of god we are going to transcend god's wrath how entering into the kingdom we are going to overcome and in essence those who are believers in that new covenant in messiah yeshua we have a wonderful promise It says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 9, again, 1 Thessalonians 5 and and verse 9, that we have not been appointed for wrath. We're not going to be here in this world when the wrath of God comes. When Messiah returns, and now I'm speaking about his second coming, where he's going to bring the wrath of God. You know where we're going to be? With him. We're going to come with him for that outpouring of God's wrath. You say, where's that in the Bible? 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 13. When God's son appears at the end of the age, at the end of Daniel's 70th week, the saints, you and me, we're going to be coming with him. So he says, look again, in Mount Horeb, what was so important about Mount Horeb? There, Moses worshiped God. And if you know the book of Exodus well, Moses initially did not want to go back to Egypt. You know how he said, God, just just send someone else. I don't speak well. I I stutter. I'm not really equipped for such a position. Send someone else. But what caused a change in Moses' attitude? When God says this, he says, Moses, you and the people. Now, Moses loved his people. We see that earlier on in Exodus chapter Exodus chapter 3. And what we find is this, that it was because God said, Moses, you and the people are going to worship me. They're going to have that same experience that you're having right now. Because of that, Moses went back. Moses was interested in having a worship experience like he had never had before and having others share that with him. And all of that could only be the case through redemption, the redemption that came by the blood of the Lamb. So he says, Which I commanded him in Horeb concerning all of Israel. And what did he command? It says statutes and judgments now what's the difference between them well statutes are god's laws judgments are when we put god's law into practice and that speaks about a change it speaks about a spiritual maturity it speaks about us agreeing with god and responding through that agreement in carrying out the will of god that is establishing god's righteous order and that is kingdom work we're going to be doing that in the millennial kingdom that's what it means when it says that we are going to rule and reign with him but now you and i are called to execute justice to be a righteous influence in this world this is what god is calling us to do so he says that we are going to be called upon for that purpose now let's look at verse 5 again that same word behold a word of significance a word that calls for us to pay attention and what does he say look at verse 5 behold i am sending to you we could understand it this way i am standing for you and who are we speaking about the whole verse Behold, I am sending to you or for you Elijah. That's Elijah, the prophet. When is he coming? Pay close attention. Before the coming of the day of the Lord. What day of the Lord? The great or big day. And it's the awesome or terrible day. Now, what are we referring to? Well, only in Hebrew can we have that word norah. Norah? Can mean awesome but also terrible for those who are not in a covenant with god those who have not experienced redemption it's going to be awful for them it is going to be the beginning of the worst day of their life and it's not going to have an ending it's going to continue over and over and over but for us it's going to be awesome because it's going to have a wonderful change look again Behold, I am sending, again, that, that present tense that is emphasized, I am sending for you Elijah. Here it's eliah The same way that, that Messiah, Messiah spoke in, in the scripture, referring to Elijah the prophet. And he says, before the coming of the day of the Lord, that, that great an awesome or terrible day of the Lord. And what's going to be the outcome? We'll look now at our last verse, verse 6. What's going to be the outcome of this judgment, this, this terrible wrath that's poured out? Well, before it comes, God's going to do a work of reconciliation. Just like now, if you have accepted the gospel, he's done that work of reconciliation between you and him. But it's going to be done before the coming of God's wrath for Israel. That final outpouring of God's wrath that brings about the consumption of all that which is evil. Israel, a remnant of Israel, is going to be reconciled. That one-third that we've talked about so much. And notice what else he says. Look at that last verse. Elijah, the prophet, is coming back before God's wrath at least the final outpouring of God's wrath. In the last days, in the second part of God's God's, uh, uh, judgment, what's going to happen? Well, before God's wrath comes in that second part of Daniel's 70th week, he says that Elijah has an important ministry. He is going to restore the hearts of the fathers concerning the children what does that mean heart is thinking the fathers are going to think now not based upon their wants desires what's good for them but they're going to think sacrificially they're going to think in regard to their sons and that means sons and daughters and likewise the heart of the sons are going to be concerning their fathers and fathers here can be inclusive, referring to the parents. So what Elijah is going to do in this ministry of reconciliation in the last days before, before the wrath of God comes in its fullness, he is going to bring about a reconciliation of the family. And all of that is put within the context of judgment. Remember what I said. God's judgment brings about his order. And what we need to to be praying for, desiring, is that we need to be desiring God's order in the family. That there's unity based upon one thing, the truth of Scripture. That there would be unity, that same way of looking at things, that same perspective, that same objective, that same purpose that both the fathers and the children have. In other words, we're speaking about two generations, that they would see things in the same way, that they would be brought to an agreement with God. And it's only when we agree with God is there going to be an agreement between others, between one another. And this is what Elijah is going to bring about. Now, notice how this scripture is put together we see a, a connection between, remember what he says, go back up to verse, verse 4 where it says, Zikru Moshe avdi. Remember the law of Moses. When we think of law, commandments. And when we think of the word of God, oftentimes it speaks about Moses and Elijah, representing the law and the prophets, which is God's revelation. These two men, Moses and Elijah, why? Speaking about God's revelation, his scriptural revelation. This and only this is going to bring unity. It is only when we are committed to, submissive to, obeying God's word, then we can expect that there's going to be not just reconciliation with God and man through that gospel, but also between one generation and another. And this unity, let me say it another way, this achdut, achdut, is a Hebrew word that comes from the Hebrew word echad, one, but it also speaks about a divine unity, a unity that only God can bring about. And this is the same perspective, the same way of thinking, So that there is an agreement with God. And when we agree with God, that's when things begin to change. And they change for the better. Through agreeing with God, you can expect blessing. So look again at that last verse. What is he going to do? He is going to turn. It's a word of restoration. He is going to turn the heart of the fathers to the sons and the heart of the children to their fathers. And why is that? This reconciliation through the word of God, through agreeing with God, is going to shield them from his wrath. Why do I say that? Look at the end of the verse where it says, lest I will come. And the implication is come upon them, and I will strike the land. Here again, the earth with what? The word is harem. What's that? that total devastation that that absolute destroying of everything so god is saying to to humanity he is saying only when you agree with me only when you respond to my revelation is there going to be reconciliation with me and not just with me but generations are going to come together and it's through this unity That comes by redemption and revelation, that one can escape the wrath of God, not be consumed, not experience God striking, but rather God moving to provide blessing and the fulfillment of prophecy. Well, Malachi, he was sent by God with a powerful message of reconciliation. What type of reconciliation? Kingdom reconciliation, which brings about the eternal blessings of God. Well, I'll close with that. Until next time, shalom.
0: Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org